Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Like dad's just counting hundred dollar bills. Take that, son. Love you. <laughs> Good luck next year. Anyway, uh, once again, thank you to all you dads out there for all that you do. Uh, this morning we're going to be continuing on with our series called uh, Kings and Prophets. As we look through the Old Testament, all the examples we have of godly men and women who stood up for the uh, gospel, who stood up for the kingdom of God. As we look through that, and this morning I want to talk about intentions and actions. Turn to your neighbor and say intentions and actions. So, how many of you ever have great intentions, but your actions don't always line up, right? It's kind of like the movie. This movie actually works out great for me. Um, It's kind of like the video we watched this morning. A lot of empty threats, right? You know, as dads and and as parents and and people. But I don't know about you, but I have a lot of really good intentions. And so, if I started out my day, uh, and if at the end of the day I completed everything that I intended to do, I would be considered super dad or superman, okay? Because my to-do list that's running in my head is unbelievable. My wife always asks me, she goes, well, why don't, she's like, what are you going to do today? I said, well, you know. And inside, it's just, just running down. And the reason I don't really give her specifics on what I'm going to do that day is because if I read them all off, she would realize that she's not going to see me, uh, and she probably wouldn't be all that excited about it. <laughs> but she'll ask me, what are you going to do today? I, you know, I, I got a few things I might do. <laughs> And I got this long list running in my head. But at the end of the day, somehow I always fail to never complete the checklist that's in my mind. I have great intentions of fixing everything that's broke, of spending quality time with my kids and, and you know, taking care of them. And, and the other things I was thinking through, I thought, what are the things that I really intend to do that a lot of times I fail to do? You know, and, and the good news is I'm somebody who's, who's never struggled with weight, but I was talking with Pastor Aaron, and I asked him, I was like, you know, what is something? He's like, well, I always intend to eat better, you know? Me, I always, in, I always intend to quit drinking Mountain Dew, and three cans later, I can't seem to stop, and it's like, this is good stuff. Anyway, and, you know, I have great intentions to drink more water and to, you know, rest a little bit more and take more days off. And when it came to being a dad, I started to think about, so what are my intentions as a father? And there's a skill that, that some fathers probably have out there. And if you, if you have this skill, please come talk to me afterwards. Maybe we can work out a lesson program where you can teach it to me. But doing girls' hair, I can't do a ponytail. I cannot. It's not going to happen. My hands will not move in that manner. I, 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 I can't get them all. All the hairs, that's not, they don't come together like they're supposed to. You know, I saw on Pinterest the vacuum trick with the shop back where you put the hair thing on. Does it work? I got to try it. I have yet to try it. I'm not bold enough. Jess keeps telling me I can't vacuum our kids' hair. But anyway, you know, I have two girls, and and so I I have great intentions to learn how to do girls' hair. I can brush their hair. I'm down to that, you know. I've got it. Next is we're just going to shave their head. Anyway, (laughs) but I have great intentions of learning to do kids' hair. I have great intentions of being this great dad who teaches my son all the rules and regulations of baseball and how to play, even though I have absolutely no idea what any of those are or how to play, and I'm a terrible baseball player, but I have great intentions to do these things. I have great intentions to want to teach my kids music and to have all these personal lessons with them, and I have great intentions to do lots of different things with them, 
to take them with every opportunity I get. And the good news is, is I do do those things. I try to take them with every opportunity I get and teach them the things and, and have the conversations. But I think especially as dads, as parents, as people in life, don't we all have things we intend to do, but yet we seem to always fail to come up with? Or even sometimes we set out and we, we have good intentions and our intentions get misinterpreted, right? Anybody who's ever married understands that statement, right? You set out with good intentions, and then at the end of the day, your intentions got royally misinterpreted, and you realize that that was a bad idea, right? And so this morning, we're going to talk about our intentions and our actions. And I want to read to you the, a story this morning from 1 Samuel. It talks about Samuel and Saul, chapter 15. We're going to read from 1 Samuel 15, but before we do, in just a moment, will you join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for all of the fathers that are here today, all of the families Lord Jesus, that attend our church, that are a part of our community, I ask that you bless them on this day. Bless their time together, Lord Jesus, and help them to make memories with one another, to spend quality time with each other, to not let the busyness of life get in the way. And God, I ask this morning as we read into your word that you would show us how to get our intentions to line up with our actions, Lord, and that these actions would be ones that please you and glorify your name. We give you all the glory and honor and praise this morning. In your name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. We're going to read this morning from 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 23, and then we're going to start right off here, and, and we're probably going to stop a few times as we go through this because it's a little bit longer story, but I love the story here as Samuel and Saul uh, kind of go out on their first adventure together. 1 Samuel 15 says this, so Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them into Liam, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Hevilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And as it was told Saul, Sam, or as it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this? Bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear. Saul said they brought from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. And we're going to stop there for just a moment. So here's this deal. Samuel comes to Saul and says, Saul, listen, God's anointed you king over these people. The Amalekites were not nice to your people. And God has given the command to wipe them off the face of the earth. 
Now, there's a lot that goes into this story and, and, and some of the background. You may be sitting here this morning saying, well, why did God command Saul to kill every single one of them, all of the calves, all of the oxen, all of the sheep, all of the people? And I'd love to fill you in on that answer, but it's not necessarily an answer that's probably the nicest for all the kids to hear, so I'm not going to answer it from stage this morning. And so You're good, Dan. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a, I'd love to fill you in on, on the reasoning why God gave him that command. But so Saul is given the command to go and, and wipe out everything that the Amalekites have, everything that, that represents them, and to bring their king back alive. And Samuel sets, or Saul sets out on this adventure, and he's got great intentions. He has great intentions. He summons all the people of Israel. They number 200,000. He summons the men of Judah to add to that number. And he goes in, he lays in wait, and he destroys the Amalekites. But for some reason, Saul had these great intentions when he realized how nice the sheep were, how many beautiful goats they had, and oxen. And he thought, what would be better if we sacrificed to God these animals than if we destroyed them for no reason? And so at this point, Saul, up to this point, has had really, really good intentions. And we're going to see how those intentions worked out for Saul. It says, then Samuel, said to, then Samuel said to Saul, stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord, the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of, of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of divination, and presumption is an iniquity and adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul set out with really, really great intentions to do everything that God had called him to do. And even after Samuel comes to Saul and says, what is this that I hear of the sheep bleeding, you know, making noise as the calves bellering? Because he's like, didn't you hear a word I told you in the beginning? Go and commit everything that the Amalekites have to destruction. And even after that, we hear Saul's response, and, and this reminds me so much of me in my own life. For some reason, I have the ability to reason the fact that when it comes to the situation, and once I'm into it, I kind of know what to do better than God. And that's what Saul did. Saul knew that God told him to destroy everything, to devote it all to destruction. But he got there and he realized, well, hey, wouldn't it be better if we took these nice things and we, we sacrificed them to God as a burnt offering, a pleasing sacrifice to him? Saul wasn't wrong in what he intended to do. What he was wrong is in the fact that he refused to listen to what he was told to do. That his intentions caused his actions to be wrong. And a lot of times in our life, we do the same thing, and I'm guilty of it. I get into a situation in life, and I know that God's called me to do. I know what he's told me to do. I know the words that he's spoken to me. It could be as simple as going up to someone and asking them maybe a little bit harder question about their life because I feel that God's put that word on my heart to give to them. And I'll get up there and, and start a conversation with them, and, and then in my heart I'll feel like maybe this isn't the right time. I start to reason inside of myself 
I start to have the good intentions of, well, it would be better if I spoke this word to them at a different time or if I challenged them on this at a different point in their life. And I have these good intentions, and afterwards, I, if I don't do it, for some reason, I reason myself out of it. If I don't do it, I, I leave and I realize that my intentions were wrong. And I would have been so much better off, despite the uncomfortableness for me, despite the challenge for me, despite the difficulty for them, to speak the word in its time when God has called me to speak it. And it's the same way in our lives when we're raising our kids and all that we do. We want our intentions and our actions all to line up with the will of God. And a lot of times it's really difficult because sometimes we think we know better. It happens to us so easily. So often we head out with great intentions, and then along the line we get this great idea that we can improve on God's plan. Saul wasn't really trying to change God's plan. He thought he could add to it. He goes, well, not only are we going to destroy the Amalekites, but we're going to offer a big sacrifice to God at the end of this and celebrate him and, and celebrate the nation of Israel. And Saul's intentions weren't, weren't bad intentions, but they were wrong because they stepped outside of God's plan because he did it out of his own sight and not out of the words that God spoke to him. If actions speak louder than words, what are your kids hearing? This is for us today, dads. If actions speak louder than words, what are your kids hearing? What do those around you hear? And so Saul had great intentions. And as he came to say, Samuel came to him, Saul explained to Samuel his great intentions. But to Samuel, the actions of what Saul had done spoke so much louder than the words that Saul could reason in his heart to Samuel. Because Samuel knew the moment he stepped onto that battlefield that he had done, Saul had done something wrong. And what he had done was disobey the voice of God. And us as parents, as fathers, as people in the kingdom of God, it's so hard for us because, you know, you hear so many people talk about, and this is, this is what happens. Unfortunately, what happens in the world is that people have a bad perception of us as Christians because they think that we're all talk and no walk, right? You know, you ever heard that talk to talk, walk to walk, right? Well, you say you're nice people, but then I feel like every time I talk to you, you're judging me. Anybody ever heard that, right? And then you guys are supposed to be forgiving, but yet I feel like every time I'm with you, somebody's convicting me of things. And what happens is, is that we get one, what happens is that somebody has an encounter with one or two people whose intentions and actions don't line up. Maybe they intended good things, but their actions came across as hurtful and harmful. Because maybe they didn't listen to what God's plan was for their life. And for us as parents, for us as people, for us as individuals, actions speak so much louder than our words. Don't preach at your kids all day long. Preach at them some. Sometimes kids need to be preached at. I mean, I was a youth pastor long enough. Sometimes they need to hear the hard lessons. But what they really need in their lives is they need fathers. They need mothers. They need peers. If you're here this morning and you're a young person and you're not a father or mother, I'm telling you, if you've got peers, if you've got friends in your life, more than they need to hear you beat them over the head with the word of God, they need, you to, they need to see you live out that faith you so boldly claim to have. And that's for all of us. And it's hard to do because we set out with these great intentions. And then we get hanging out with people and we don't want to be the weird one. We don't want to be the oddball. We don't want to be the one that's left out. And we have these great intentions of, well, God, I, if I could be their friends, right? We, we start to add to God's plan, just as Saul did. We start to say, well, you know, if I, could, if I can just get to know them, if I can meet them where they're at. And in the end, what we end up doing is not only do we not reach them and not lead them to the places they need to go, but we ourselves end up off of the path that God has for us. 
And Saul found himself in that place. Not only did he fail to put to destruction all of the evil of the Amalekites and set Israel apart once again as a pure and holy nation, but he also failed to get his own life in line with God. And God at that point rejected Saul as king. The cost sometimes to our own ideas is a lot more than we ever realized. To obey is better than sacrifice. God wants us to follow him more than anything. If our actions speak louder than words, what are our kids hearing? And what do those around us hear? As a dad, one of my biggest desires is that my children would obey. Like I just said, to obey is better than sacrifice. And one of my greatest desires as a dad is that my children would obey the directions that I give them, especially when I'm not around. Okay, I can handle the fact that my kids disobey when I'm around, because at least I'm there. But if I hear about you disobeying when I'm not around, we got a different story, right? That's when those, those fake threats become real threats. It's like, okay, you know, car is sold. <laughs> One of my biggest desires as a dad is for my children to obey. God is our Father in heaven. And I think that God has put that desire in us as earthly humans because that comes as a desire from him. God's greatest desire in our lives is not that we would offer big gifts and big sacrifices and make big shows. God's biggest desire for us is that we would obey him with our whole heart, that we would follow his word, that we would do what he says, that we would live a life that exemplifies him. God's not interested in a big show. What he's interested in is genuine, consistent faith and following after him and trusting him even when it's hard. God wants our intentions and our actions and our faith to all be on the same line. And I'm going to tell you this morning how we can get there. Saul only saw that, that, that moment and that victory. What Saul failed, this is where Saul went wrong with his, with his intentions. Saul only saw that moment and that victory. What he failed to see, that God wanted to establish the fact that Israel would once again follow God's plan no matter what it cost them. The Israelites, sure, they probably wanted all of the oxen and maybe they could have used them. But the purpose, the vision behind destroying all of the Amalekites and setting aflame and just getting rid of all of that, that, what that represented was more important to God than them having any number of sheep or oxen or of good things. What was more important is that they set aside their sin and their faith to God, no matter what it costs. And that's what Saul failed to do. What Saul saw, what Saul seesaw on the seashore. Anyway, what Saul saw when he faced that battle, that's all he saw was the battle. He didn't get the bigger plan that God had. He didn't get the fact that God wanted to set Israel apart. He just thought that God wanted to destroy the Amalekites. And he thought he could set Israel apart with these sacrifices, even though it wasn't what God wanted. So how do we get our actions to match our intentions? And this is a tough one. I thought about this for a while as I wrote this message. How do we get our actions to match our intentions? And I have three things for you this morning, and I'm not typically a, a three-point thing, but sometimes this really helps us in our life, and it really helps me. And so I started to think about it. I said, okay, what is it in my life that I do to help my intentions match, match my actions? And number one is this, set manageable goals. This is where I go wrong every morning. I set unmanageable goals. I think, you know what, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get that done, and it's going to go flawless, and then I'm going to get this, and then I'm going to get this. And by the end of the day, I've broken every single thing I planned on fixing worse than what I originally had it, and I find myself further behind than I ever thought I would be. So to set manageable goals in your life goes a long ways. Set manageable goals. Our walk with God is a long walk. 
hopefully, <laughs> is a long walk. Trust him in the small things, and it will be easy to follow him in the big ones. When it comes to our faith, we have to choose to follow God every day. We have to choose to put aside our intentions, to put aside our decisions and our plans in our life to follow God's plan. Despite what that'll cost us, just like what Saul failed to do, there's going to come a cost in our lives. But we need to set manageable goals. And if we would surrender the small things to God, if we'd surrender the 20 minutes every day to read our word and to pray and to talk with him before we start out, if we would surrender every single day to pray for our family and to pray with our kids, even if it's for 30 seconds to grab their hand before they go off to school, it sets an example. It sets into motion dominoes that lead to bigger things and bigger things. And at the end of your days, you can look out upon your family, upon your community, upon your world of influence, and know that God used you to change them towards him. But it starts out with small things. You have to set manageable goals to get your intentions to match your actions. And don't be like me. Don't plan to save the world every single day and fail to do anything by the end of it. <laughs> Number two is work at it. It's easy to say, I will get to that tomorrow, but why not today? And I, I, I'm not really a procrastinator. That's not my thing. You can ask my wife. She probably wishes I would procrastinate a little more because then I'd sit down every once in a while. <laughs> um, but I have the problem where I refuse to stop. She loves it when I, when I get sick because she's like, finally, you stop moving. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if I'm not moving, it's bad. It's a bad day. <laughs> but we have to work at it. Every day we got to do it. It's easy to say, I will get to that tomorrow, but why not today? It's easy to say, I'll read my Bible. I'll, I'll do double the reading tomorrow, right, God? And when, then what do we do? We set ourselves up with an unmanageable expectation and intention for tomorrow. And tomorrow we're going to fail even worse. And it becomes this cycle, and then we feel bad, and we feel like, oh, I'm really falling away from God. I'm just not, I'm just not getting it today, God. I'm so sorry. And, and by the end of the week, we're apologizing for something we never did, and we had all the great intentions to do. we got to work at it. It's easy to say, I will get to that tomorrow, but why not today? Reach out to God today. Be generous today. Love today. Because you may not get tomorrow. Even though we hope life is long, today may be all we get. Follow God wholeheartedly every single day. Don't leave following God for something to do at the end of the week. Leave following God something to do every second of every moment of every week. Because you may get to the end of the week and realize it was the only week you got. And we want to leave it with God. We don't want God to do what he did to Saul. We don't want to be forsaken from God's kingdom. We don't want it to be stripped from our hands. We want to cross that chasm into eternity knowing that on the other side is going to be Jesus waiting for us saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You set manageable goals. You had good intentions and you followed through with them. <laughs> These are the words that we hope to hear. You have to work at it. And number three, when you compare, you get nowhere. Turn to your neighbor and say that. When you compare, you get nowhere. <laughs> Don't let the view of others distract you from what God has called you to do. And this is what Saul did. He screwed up. Saul had all the good intentions in the world to go in there and wipe them out and do his thing. And he summoned the people, and he did the right steps. And then he got there and even tells Samuel, like, Samuel, it wasn't me. These guys wanted to save him. They said, hey, let's sacrifice it to God. And Saul let the opinions of others get him off the track of what the plan that God had for him really was. And this happens to all of us. If you're a teenager, you know all too well the influence of peer pressure. 
And as we get older, thankfully, you know, usually we can avoid peer pressure a little more, but sometimes it weighs on us even more. Because then we start to have all these things like houses and cars, and we get concerned about what other people think of our houses, what other people think of our cars. And it's like my wife, she mows the lawn. She's like, you're going to weed whack? I said, no, I, that's, that's, that's an idol to me. I don't want my lawn to look that nice. <laughs> Actually, it's just laziness. I don't want to weed whack. <laughs> it's like, i got to give the neighbor something. He's got one up on me. He weed whacks his lawn. I don't. Somebody came over to my house the other day. Oh, it was Steve did. He told me, he said, those aren't flowers. Those are nettles. I said, they look the same to me. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> when you com- at some point, they will flower. Anyway, <laughs> when you compare, you get nowhere. When you compare, you get nowhere. Don't let the views of others distract you from what God has called you to do. Because somebody's always going to have something better. Somebody's always going to have a different idea and a different plan. The thing that needs to be resided in your heart as a dad as a Christ follower, is the fact that you're going to follow God no matter what it costs. And that was what Saul failed to do here. That was what Samuel weeped all night over Saul for. In one decision, Saul lost the kingdom. And dads, we may not think it's that easy, but it can come down to that at times. In one decision, we can make a decision that costs us our families, that costs us our future, that costs us the kingdom of God in our hands. Choose rightly. Follow God's plan regardless of what it costs you because I guarantee that that little cost, which may seem very large in the moment, will pale in comparison to the cost that it will cost you with the kingdom of God. The biggest thing that I've started to realize in my life as I've gotten older and as my kids have grown up is I've realized something that's very, very important. Everything in this world is so temporary. I have people come to me all the time, and I remember my wife and I, we, we bought a farm a few months ago, and, and we started doing all of that, and, and I don't have enough land with it. And everybody told, everybody told me in the beginning, it's like, well, you know, all the neighbors came over. They're like, well, there's no land to rent around here. It's not never going to happen. And I just stand there, and I think, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, hearing all of the neighbors around me say, well, they'll never sell out. That farm would never go up for sale. And year after year, I've watched every one of them go up for sale and change hands once and twice. And I've started to realize something. The things in this world are temporary. The things that we value as permanent are so fragile. And every week now, for the last six weeks, I've had at least one phone call, at least one person stop by, say, hey, I got some land. You want to rent it? You want to you come over here and run this for me? You need this? And it just makes me smile because I know that God is so much bigger than any of my ideas or my plans or my vision. But God's plan is so much greater than I could ever imagine. And like I said, the biggest thing I've learned to realize is that the things that we think are so permanent are so small and temporary in God's eyes. But the things that we oftentimes value as so small and insignificant mean so much to God. And us as Christ followers is those that love Jesus and we want to have a walk with them. And as dads this morning, I challenge you, keep the small things of God held higher than the big things of this world. Because when you compare, you get nowhere. But it's going to take work. And we're going to have to work at it every single day to keep God in front of us. Colossians 3, 23 through 25 says this, and I love this verse. It's kind of become the anthem of my life. It says, whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Work heartily at all that you do. Serve God with everything that you have. 
It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter the job that you do. It doesn't matter the money that you make. It doesn't matter the realm of influence that you have. It doesn't matter if you stand on a million stages or you ever stand on none. What matters is, are you working heartily towards God? Is he at the center of everything that you do? And if you can get that right, you will do more than people with all of the influence in the world will ever do. Because your influence won't be limited to this world. Your influence will be one of the kingdom of God. And the things that this world holds as so, so big and precious will be burned and consumed and cast aside along with everything else. But the things that the world values as so small, God will reward you bigger than you could ever imagine. And the things that once seemed to be a big cost will seem so small for what you have gained when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. When you stand here and you baptize your, your son or your daughter, and you watch your kids grow up and get married, and marry good men and women of God, and have kids and take them to church and, and be a part of that. That is the greatest reward anything could ever get you. No money can buy that. No house can make that happen. No property of land, no, no vision, no business, no direction can cause that to take place. But God can. And it comes from following him. Don't look back at your life 50 years from now and realize that you chose wrong one day. And it costs you everything. For all of us, it takes work. Paul tells us to run the race, to fight the good fight, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul didn't say, you know what, if you accept Jesus, if you raise your hand in a church service, which is awesome, after that, it's just going to be easy. That's all you had to do. You're good. Got that card locked in, right? Paul was beaten, bruised, shipwrecked, left for dead. All because he loved God. And Saul was never beaten, never bruised, never tossed aside, never persecuted because he chose wrong, because he chose something easier than to tell the people no, because he felt the pressure of those around him. When he should have said, no, we will set to destruction all that the Amalekites have, just as God has told us to do from the beginning. Could you imagine the reward, the joy on Samuel's face if he'd have come down and saw that Saul had done all that God had asked him to do? The good news is, as we read on, we'll see that. Because David chooses rightly, often. And he sets to destruction all that wasn't of God. And God rewards him for it. For all of us, it takes work. It takes time to fight the good fight. It takes strength and consistency. It takes purposeful intentions with actions that follow after them. You've heard me say this before, but statistically, in a home... If a son or daughter accepts the Lord as their Savior and follows God and starts to walk out their walk of salvation, the odds of the rest of the family getting saved is 20%. And if moms accept, the odds of the rest of the family is 30 to 40% at most. But if dads, if fathers, if the head of the house, if those that God has placed in that order to be in the home accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the odds of the rest of the family coming to know God for generation after generation is 60%. So fathers, it's kind of on us. And I said this last week. But fathers, it's on us to keep Jesus at the center of our families. It's on us to not let comparison get in the way. It's on us to set manageable goals, to teach our kids one day at a time, to not expect them to get it all in one moment, to guide them through their lives. It's up to us to bring him to the places he is not, 
And it is up to us to obey God and set a new course for our lives and our families and all of those that look up to us. And this goes for all of us as individuals, not just fathers today. It's on us to set the example, to let our intentions and our actions and our faith all line up as one. Now, we all have faults and we all have shortcomings. And if you're here today and, and you're a father and you've been a father for years and years and years and maybe years ago you made the wrong choice and it cost you a lot and you've got wayward sons and daughters, I want to tell you today the good news with God is that his grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every morning. And so today you can choose to not let that cost be one that lasts forever. But it may be temporary and it may seem like it may never change. But if you get on your knees every day and you pray and you ask God to bring back your kids... I believe that God can do just that. And it doesn't have to cost you everything. But it's on us. It's on us to set a new course for our families. Don't let the allure of what could be keep you from what should be. And that's what Saul failed to do. He let the allure of pleasing the people, of, of offering this big sacrifice and big celebration to God, keep him from what he should have done. So this morning, don't let the allure of what could be keep you from what should be. Because that's kind of the way the enemy works. He's always going to make the things that he wants you to do, the things that aren't of God, sound so much better than anything God has to offer. But at the end of the day, you're going to realize that it's all a facade that it's all so fake and temporary and he really has no pull on the things that matter. But God is forever and permanent and the things that he has to offer are far beyond anything we could ever imagine. And those are the things that should be. Not the things that could be, but the things that should be. What should be is our family should love Jesus. We should value life from the moment of conception till the end of natural death. We should value each other we should value the lessons that our kids learn, the things that could become a part of their culture and a part of their life. We should value their desire to follow Jesus. We should value their eternity more than we value their, their current existence. And that might be hard to understand, but I want to tell you this morning that, that if my kid struggles his entire life and faces hardship after hardship because he loves Jesus... As hard as a dad, as a physical dad, to watch that happen would be, I'd be so proud of him because I know that what he's giving up now is so small and temporary compared to what he will receive in the end. Don't let the allure of what could be keep you from what should be. Will you stand with me this morning? Set manageable goals. Work at it every day. And remember that when you compare, you get nowhere. Be more concerned about what God has called you to do than what the people around you say you should do. And stand firm in your faith today and know that giving up of such temporary expenses, what may seem large costs at the moment, large uncomforts at the moment, are so small and temporary compared to the reward that God has for you. Will you pray with me today? Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done. God, I thank you that you have given us great purpose in our lives. And Lord, I lift up every father in this place this morning, those that are here and those that aren't, that are a part of our church. God, we lift them up before you. And I ask that you would bless them with unmeasurable strength and willingness to do what you have called them to do. God, that they would not waver, that they would not grow weary, that you would give them supernatural strength that can only come from you 
that every day they would accomplish all that they intend to do, but God, that their intentions would be ones that line up with your plan, that they would not be embedded in their own desires and in their own heart, but they would be embedded in a desire that wants to serve you and to follow your plan. And I ask that they would pass that on to their children. And Lord, I pray for every person here in this place. And if you're here today and you're saying, I need to follow Jesus, I need to put him at the forefront of my life because that's where it all starts. That's where your intentions need to be right. And remember, don't wait for tomorrow, but let the intentions of your life, let the desire of your heart be today and fulfill it today for you may not have tomorrow. If you're here today and you're saying, that's me, Pastor Ken, I want to receive Jesus today. I want to wait no longer. Would you raise your hand this morning? We don't want to embarrass you. We want to pray with you. Raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to have Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. As a church, will you pray this prayer with me together? Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow your plan in my life. To have your word in my heart. And I surrender it to you today. Forgive me of all that I've done wrong. In your name we pray. Lord, I ask that you would bless all of the families in our church and all of the individuals. God, every person here in this place. As you bless them this day as they go out and as they come in, Lord, that everything they put their hands to would prosper. And that we would look faithfully towards you and the plan that you have. That we would not turn aside one way or to the other. But Lord Jesus, we would follow you with everything that we have. And every day we would strive to be more like you. And we would work heartily as to the Lord. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in this place. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, thank you for joining us on this special Father's Day. We will have ministers up front who'd love to pray with you if you have any prayer request needs. Also, for all of the dads uh, on the way out, we have lifesavers. And so everybody gets two lifesavers. Go ahead, take one. If you want to give it to your kids, you're more than welcome to. But we just want to give you guys um, a blessing, and hopefully it'll save your lives. So that was a joke. But anyway, have a good day.